The reading is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, verse 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the, into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared as Azotus and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. <coughs> Good morning. Welcome to this, our fifth and final week of the series. Today, we're exploring the fifth rhythm of grace from the community of St. Chad. By God's grace, I will sensitively share my faith with others and support God's mission, both locally and globally. We've just read in the passage from Acts, haven't we, about the conversion of the eunuch, of how the Holy Spirit inspired Philip Philip was probably a deacon appointed to help serve the growing church rather than the Apostle Philip. And in all likelihood, this was the same Philip who'd just been in Samaria, spreading the gospel message amongst the Samaritans. We're not told the eunuch's name, only that he was a eunuch. He was an important official who served in the court of the Candace. They were rulers of the region of Cush, which roughly approximates to Ethiopia. They were the pharaohs of their time, and the status they had was similar to the Egyptian pharaohs. He was an important man. We're told several times that he was a eunuch, 
as if to emphasise its importance to the story. Perhaps this is because eunuchs were excluded from participating in temple rituals and from full admittance as proselytes into Israel's community. And although he'd been to Jerusalem and was studying Jewish scripture as a eunuch, he would never be fully accepted into the Jewish community. As an Ethiopian, he came from a far-off land. In the first century, Ethiopia would have been one of the places referred to at Pentecost as the ends of the earth. And lost in our translation is the significance of how the eunuch was reading the passage from Isaiah. He was really striving to understand the significance of the words he was reading. He was trying to understand the layers of meaning behind the bare text. But as he read, the Holy Spirit brought Philip alongside to explain, to bring the clarity of the Holy Spirit into the interpretation of the text, to bring the grace of God into the encounter. The eunuch wondered who the passage referred to. Was it to Isaiah? And surely the passage must have resonated to himself when he read about being humiliated, a man without descendants. But Philip links the text to Jesus and the gospel message. We don't read here of any hesitancy on Philip's part about the status of the eunuch. He doesn't question whether someone who could never be fully accepted as a Jew could be saved, could join the Christian community. In the wilderness of the desert road, the debates in Jerusalem over the status of the Gentiles and the uncircumcised were overruled by the Holy Spirit as the eunuch was welcomed into the body of Christ through baptism. So, does it matter that the world hears about the transforming power of the gospel today? Of course, we don't know who he calls or when he'll call us. But we do have people from this church who are serving him overseas. We're not all called to be like Rachel and work in Nepal, or to raise up and teach leaders in Africa like Susie and Martin, or work with unchurched young people and the families of our community like Laura and Emma, or with holidaymakers on Ibiza like David and Jenny. But we can all be part of their calling by supporting them in prayer, practically and financially. And there are others, aren't there, who've recognised God's call to mission locally. We've heard this morning already about coffee in the living room. And some are working with the elderly and the lonely and with prisoners and with disabled and young people through sole purpose. And actually, as a church, we recognise the need for mission and the Missionary Action Group particularly help us to focus our prayers and our understanding. But I would suggest that it isn't easy to be involved in mission. Mission is costly. It's costly in prayer, in time. It's costly financially. It challenges us. And there are aspects that we don't always embrace so easily. Consider encounters like those we read about in Acts, 
where we're called to be sensitive to the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit as he draws us alongside individuals, gives us opportunities to share our faith, allows the grace of God to work through us to impact the life of another. Missionary encounters like this, they disturb the routine of our lives and move us out of our comfort zones. So, does it matter whether we share our faith with others, share Jesus and the transforming power of the gospel with them? Yes, it does. Because Luke tells us in chapter 19 that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9 tells us that we are co-workers in God's service. And we know God's heart is for the lost and the marginalised. In the St. Chad's literature that accompanies this series, they talk of front lines, the boundaries where our lives interact with others, at home, with friends, at the gym, in our daily lives. And Ben's already asked us, hasn't he, where this week we'll come across people. We're asked to, pray, to prayerfully consider who it is that we might meet at our front lines. Who is it that the Holy Spirit might be prompting us to pray for? Who is it that the Holy Spirit might be asking us to be open to the possibility that there will be a God-given opportunity to share our faith? But as I thought about this, I realised that for me, when I heard the word frontline, what first came to mind was when I visited the Somme a few years ago to see where my great-great-uncle was buried. The front lines there were places of fear, of immobilisation, of being entrenched and dug in. And although, thank goodness, we haven't had to face the awfulness of a world war, we hear the word bandied around quite often. Front lines, places of challenge, of change, of meeting the unknown, the boundary between them and us. We can have our own inner front lines that we hide behind. Front lines of beliefs that are unfounded based on fear or prejudice or past experience. Front lines of challenges we won't face. Of unwillingness to change or move out of our comfort zones. These inattentions stop us responding freely and easily to the Holy Spirit. They diminish the flow of the Holy Spirit through us, like a silted-up river. Philip broke the mould by baptising the eunuch. A man who was unacceptable was fully accepted by God. Who is it that I, that we, would struggle to accept? The eunuch was a man who was a high official in a cult culture that was very different from Philip's. Are there some we would struggle with if the Holy Spirit led us to speak to them? And yes, Philip was called to be obedient, to go where the Holy Spirit led, to say what the Holy Spirit inspired him to say. But is there always a more pressing call on our time? Are we too busy for God's business? So what are our inner hidden front lines that stop us responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, stop us from reaching out to those we meet? Is it busyness, 
prejudice, fear of rejection, or the unwillingness to bear the cost that stops us, so that the inner voice of the Holy Spirit gets drowned or crowded out, and we miss the God-ordained opportunities, the appointments that God has made for us. You know, over the years, there have been times when I felt an inner prompt from the Holy Spirit to speak or to pray or to share a word with someone or to visit or perform a small act of kindness. And often, if I've been obedient to that inner prompting, it's been a real joy to experience the sense of having been part of a God incident, of being in the right place at the right God-ordained time, or of saying the right words and realising that they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. But there are times when I know I should have spoken or acted or prayed, but by the time I've run through the, is this really the Holy Spirit, or I can't say that, it might be wrong, or I don't want to look stupid, routine in my head, or any of the other reasons that I or we can come up with, the Holy Spirit has moved on. And as I hear someone else pray or bring the word, instead of me, I know the sadness of having quenched the Holy Spirit within me. Or perhaps the word is left unsaid and the deed undone and a kingdom opportunity has been lost. So let's take time to consider those inner front lines. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us if there's anything that makes us ignore or quench his prompting. Let's pray for healing, for deliverance, for him to guide us in those areas. Let's make time for God to speak to us. I don't know about you, but the closer I am to someone or something, the more I'm involved with it, the more I find I can speak about it naturally. So let's determine to get closer to God, to understand our faith more, to be enthused by the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God at work within us. If you're not already doing it, consider setting aside time each day to pray, to study, to meditate on scripture. The St. Chad's community have produced a booklet. This is it. There were some at the back. I don't know if they're all gone, but you can download it from the website. Other resources are available. But maybe commit to use this booklet or something similar in Holy Week. Commit to deepen your faith, to re-engage with God, to use such a resource. Try it for a week. Experience the difference engaging regularly with prayer and the Bible and God makes. And from that place of engagement, how about prayerfully considering three areas as we come to the end of this Lent course. Firstly, let's be open to the prompts of the Holy Spirit. As Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, let's throw off every weight that hinders. Instead of being bound by those inner redundant front lines that immobilize or drag us down, let's get sorted before God. Let's be free to respond to him to answer his call. Secondly, 
Let's consider the external front lines each of us had, has. The front lines where we interact with others, with family, with friends, socially, at the gym, in Sainsbury's. Can we commit to pray specifically and regularly for them, to ask God to lead us to people that he wants to touch and use us? And thirdly, let's pray that God will continue to guide us to those he wants to reach out to, to use us as channels of his grace. I guess that many of us here can look back over the years and review God's amazing goodness the people he's brought alongside us just when we needed them, people who have shared a word with us that we needed to hear, people whose lives have touched us and whose lives we have touched, people who've been part of our journey. I pray that we will respond to the call of the Holy Spirit just as Philip did. Remember, God is good. He wants the best for us. We can trust him as he answers our prayers. Amen.